Warning, the following story is graphic and violent in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Claude Groves was preparing a lesson for his Sunday school class when he decided to take a short walk to his daughter and son-in-law, George's house. George was drinking some wine made by a friend when Claude arrived. The two talked for hours, and periodically George tried to entice Claude to take a sip, but he refused. The Southern Baptist Sunday school director didn't drink and refused each overture. The clock soon approached the witching hour, midnight, and Claude finally broke down and took a sip, then a full drink. The conversation turned to the health of one of his friends, Chuck Holden. Claude, in typical fashion, rambled on, fueled by the drink. At one point, the conversation turned to Chuck's brother, Leonard. Leonard was a Korean War veteran and had spent many years working for the U.S. government as a, le- as a general physicist. He had multiple patents filed with the U.S. Patent Office. Now retired, Leonard designed war memorials, including the one in the nearby town of Ash Flat. He'd also built a massive Newtonian telescope for the local Highland School District. The hour grew late and Claude decided to leave. As he walked out the door, he added some other accolades to Leonard's impressive resume. Hard to believe he worked at Area 51, the man said. George, a journalist, immediately perked up. Hey, keep that to yourself. No one is supposed to know about that, Claude said in a serious tone. George nodded approvingly, but already the wheels began to churn in his head. Leonard would go on to give several public talks about his projects and work, but he never mentioned his stint at the mysterious military base set in the lonely Nevada desert. George would spend years trying to get him to talk about his work on the base. It was well worth the wait. I'm Andrew Brown, and this is a bonus edition of Diamond State Murder Board. Amanda Tussing left her fiancé's house on a dark, rainy summer night. Within an hour, she would vanish. To this day, no one knows exactly how she died or why. No one knows who murdered the college student who was one year away from her own wedding. Read about Tussing's murder and more in Whispers in the Willows, a best-selling book by author and award-winning journalist George Jared. Whispers takes a deep dive into the Tussing case and several other infamous murder cases, including the case of 22-year-old Rebecca Gould. The book also contains a number of cases straight from death row to the death chamber. Pick up your copy of Whispers in the Willows today on Amazon or wherever else you buy books. Welcome to Diamond State Murder Board. I'm your host, George Jared. We're joined in studio, as always, with our co-host, Andrew Brown. Today, we're going to talk about the story of Leonard Holden. He's a general physicist who worked at Area 51. Leonard was born in Hardy, Arkansas. He served in the Korean War, and he he worked pretty much all over the country. He worked for a bunch of different institutions. He mostly worked for the U.S. Army. He's a fascinating person to talk about, and uh, you and, you know we our main focus is a lot of these murder cases that we've that we're going to cover. But every now and then we want to bring you one of these bonus episodes about just some cool or interesting people or maybe a bizarre some bizarre crimes that we're aware of or uh, you know, I've covered several very bizarre crimes. So we just want to bring you this episode about it and it's kind of in you, Andrew, it's a little bit timely. You know, we've been having all these monolith sightings mm-hmm. in Utah and Romania and all these other places. I mean, I'm not sure if they're they probably are a hoax. I mean, I I always tell people this. Um, I, I I'm 
myself personally, I'm not inclined to believe in ghosts or um, aliens visiting us. But I, as a as a longtime reporter, I don't discount it either. If you show me the evidence, I can be persuaded for sure. So, um, in fact, one time I actually sat up at the top of a courthouse, uh, ancient courthouse, um, where it was allegedly, uh, you know, haunted by this guy that had been uh, convicted of murder and he was sentenced to be hanged back in the 1880s. And so I spent a night up at the top of this courthouse, up in this attic with all the mice and creaks and groans <laughs> and um, it was a very interesting experience. They had some, uh, I believe the show was called Ghost Hunters, maybe. They yeah, were filming uh, an episode. Okay. And um, I'll have to go back and look. I can't It was one of those shows. And they asked me if I wanted to tag along one night. And I'm like, sure, why not? So um, I didn't see anything that night that led me to necessarily believe in ghosts. But it was a cool and interesting experience. And so um, kind of if you, if you listen to our intro, uh, this is how I found out about Leonard Holden. Uh, my father-in-law spilled the beans one time. Uh, he didn't mean to. Hardy's a very small town up in uh, the northern part of Arkansas. It's a, a everybody knows everybody kind of place. Leonard never talked about his experiences at Area 51. So what happened, Andrew, is I found out about this. Now, my father-in-law swore me to secrecy, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, with a journalist, there's no swearing to any kind of secrecy. I was going to say he should know his son-in-law enough to know that you weren't going to drop that. <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, so I, what I would do is um, Leonard, you know, he worked, um, he was in the Korean War. Then he came back and he graduated from Arkansas Tech. He studied mathematics. He studied physics. So he became a scientist, a general physicist. And so um, he was a very well-known character in this part of the world because, you know, it's not too often that a brilliant scientist is born in a very small town in the middle of nowhere. So everybody knew who he was. He um, he was a pioneer in infrared technologies. Uh, he had several U.S. patents, and this was this stuff was well-known about him. He worked at Johns Hopkins University. He uh, worked at Los Alamos um, in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. He, um, I believe he worked at Cape Canaveral as well for several years. Um, he actually um, was a pioneer in um, studying radiation clouds that come out of missiles. So he had an idea that you could measure or you could identify a missile by measuring the radiation that came out of it, which actually turned into a pretty good science for the U.S. military. Yeah. So anyway, oh, and, uh, and just as a side note, we mentioned the monolith. We didn't mention the Israeli space minister who um, in early December or mid-December came out and said that uh, the U.S. government was in contact with an uh, extra intergalactic, you know, uh, 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 I don't know what the word is, like a collective of aliens, <laughs> an extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial yeah. life forms. I mean, the you know the the thing about it is like again. I mean, the guy said he's eighty seven. They can't get me now. The U.S. government has a treaty signed with these guys, and they said that actually President Donald Trump is fully aware of it, and actually on at least two different occasions has almost spilled the beans on it. So. Um, this is kind of in the news right now. I mean, it, it's kind of a nice re, uh, respite from, you know, having mm-hmm. to l- talk about COVID or uh, elections or whatever else has been just ripping our brains apart. 
So anyway, but back to Leonard. So he uh, he built a Newtonian telescope for his, the Highland School District, and the reason he did that, he went to school at Hardy, but Hardy consolidated with another small school called Ash Flat, yep. and they consolidated and created the Highland School District. So what he did in 1989 is he actually built a Newtonian telescope for that school because essentially it was his alma mater. And the telescope is is impressive. If you ever drive by the school, you'll see this. It's like a planetarium-looking dome. And so he built this telescope. So And he also designed war memorials. And so he designed this elaborate, gorgeous war memorial in Ash Flat. I mean, if you see the pictures, they're just it's a breathtaking. In fact, um, I was uh, just before we, we came on air, I was talking to uh, uh, Andrew's girlfriend, Jessica, and I was showing her some pictures and she couldn't believe that in a very small town in the middle of nowhere that they have this, this, they have, they have a tank and they have all sorts of stuff (laughs) out there. It's really cool. So anyway, so what I did is I started following Leonard around. He would give talks about, um, some of his work as a scientist. He would talk about these memorial, the memorial that he was trying to build, um, he would also talk about the telescope some, you know, uh, people would ask. And so he would go and give these public talks. He went to, a, I remember specifically, he went and spoke to a club called the Spring River Gym and Mineral Club. I used to love going to those meetings. Some of the most interesting scientists and, um, you know, geologists, you know, seismic uh, experts would come and talk about earthquakes and gems and all sorts of stuff. Well, they brought him in one day and I approached Leonard. I said, hey, Leonard, I know... Um, uh, you know, I introduced myself. I said, Leonard, it's my understanding that you worked at Area 51. And, he, you know, he was nice. He smiled at me and said, well, I can't talk about that. And so we kind of did this thing for many years where he, I would try to get him to talk about it and he wouldn't. And I was always nice. And he was very gracious to me about it. He wasn't rude in any way, but he had top secret clearance, you know, Absolutely. Um, and he couldn't, he couldn't talk about the work he did. So uh, in, I believe it was 2013, I wanted to do a story about the memorial that he built in Ash Flat. It was getting close to uh, around the, uh, uh, like, veteran, uh, let's see, what is that, Veterans Day? What was it? In November? Yes, Veterans yeah, Day, Veterans November, Day. 11th. November yes. 11th. Yeah, the end of World War One. And um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to do a story about this. So I was going to meet him at the memorial it was in late october beautiful october day the leaves were changing all the all the colors in the world that they change in the fall it was a really nice day it was about 70 75 degrees kind of a windswept atmosphere and so i show up and i brought a i brought a whammy card with me i brought my son and so i'm interviewing leonard about the memorial and we talk for a good long while but my plan was to do a story about him working at Area 51. <laughs> so finally we get to the end and I was going through and I, I knew exactly how I was going to do it. I was going to go through the, the resume of places he had worked and things he'd done. And so I'm just ping ponging back and forth. And then finally we get to the moment in or around in or around 1980. Okay. And he, he worked at Area 51. And he immediately went into, I can't talk about that, that whole that whole spiel. And I said, Leonard, I said, I understand that. I said, but you do know things. And he said, yes. He goes, yes, I do. He was very clear. And yeah. he says, I do know things that would be very interesting to for other people to know. And um, I said, but, you know, at that point he was in his 80s. I said, Leonard, and I looked, I pointed at my son. I said, 
he'll never know if you don't say something. And he looked at me and he goes, you know, I I can't leave the country without telling the State Department where I'm at, where I'm going and getting approval. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he sat down. I said, "Okay, well, tell me what you can tell me. I said, let's just go through the nuts and bolts of it. I said, and, you know, and of course... Andrew, when you're dealing with men of that generation, they're very patriotic. They're very um, protective of the government. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they fought in World War II. They fought in Korea. Um, and they're very, you know, they, they, if, if the government says, hey, don't say anything, they're not going to. Yeah. So I said, tell me how it worked, like you worked there. He, he couldn't tell me how or why they selected him to work at Area 51. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't tell me that. Um, he did tell me, though, that in or around 1980, he was selected to work there. And what would happen is, is he was living, a, he would fly out of El Paso, Texas in an unmarked plane on Sunday nights. And he would fly either directly to like, I want to say it was Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then he would either, or sometimes they would fly actually into the the Groom Lake facility. And for and I know that I'm just assuming that most people out there understand what Area 51 is. Conspiracy theorists have have said for years that they think that the government is concealing alien technology at the base. In fact, the government didn't even acknowledge that the base existed until the 1990s, even though it was there was clearly something out there. Yeah. And, um, so, and even, I even had to explain to him a little bit. I'm like, Hey, you do know that the U S government has finally admitted that the base actually exists. And in the past two years, there's been social media campaigns to, um, ransack it and just storm it and try to break in to see what's in there. Right. That's exactly right. So, um, he said that they would fly in an unmarked plane into Vegas and then they would take a, an unmarked van would drive them to the facility and I don't know if you've ever been in that part of Nevada before, but it is very, very desolate. And there are signs all over the place that deadly force will be used if you if you um, trespass onto this land that's part of this facility. So he said um, that they would go and they worked in teams. And of course, it got to a point where I'm like, I just blurted it out. I'm like, did you work on alien technology? And um, he said to me, he said, um, I never directly worked on anything that was alien technology. But then he said, but he said, I'm a scientist and I know how science works. Mm-hmm. And what was happening out there defied all laws of science that I was intimately aware of. Huh. And so um, and this was his direct quote. I can't say I never worked I can say I never worked on any type of alien technology, but at the same time, I can't definitively say it was not there. And so what he did, and he said it was clear to him from the beginning that they were actually reverse engineering stuff. And how he described it to me was if you took a shoe and you have some, if you had a team working on the sole of the shoe, and if you had a team working on the shoelace, and then if you had a team working on like the the pad, you know, that your foot sits on, mm-hmm. you would never know what you were working on. You, like you wouldn't know you're working on a shoe. You would just know your little piece. And he said this was very, this was a key part of the whole thing. He said, we were not allowed to talk to anybody outside of our team. And so they would go into rooms and they would, it was almost like they were solving puzzles. And I said, really? And he goes, yes. He goes, 
it, 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 you know, we could say hi, like if we were in the cafeteria, we could say hi to people who were on other teams. We could maybe have a brief conversation about the weekend or something like that. But once we were, the conversation could never go out of those bounds. They could never talk about what they were working on. And so he said, we were, you know, very clearly reverse engineering a bunch of stuff. And he said that they had things like, and you remember, this is 1980. Yeah. The internet was out there already. They had fiber optic cables, which I didn't realize was, or fiber optic technology, which is, I didn't realize is such um, a very impressive technological leap. Absolutely. And he said a lot of the uh, technology that we enjoy today, right now, he said they had all that stuff. The concepts were already out there. He said and it, it wasn't even that astonishing there, you know, uh-huh. like even the stuff that's happening now. So, um, and of course I asked him, I said, you know, Leonard, do you, do you think that aliens exist? And Leonard's like, well, he goes, he goes, I don't know. He said, I, I, I would have to have some definitive proof of it. Mm-hmm. He said, as a scientist, I can't rule it out. And, um, so I came away from the conversation very much feeling like he had worked on something that was extraordinary and he didn't know where it came from. Oh, Yeah. And that's that was the main description he could give you? Yeah. That's crazy. And so he worked out there for two years, he said. He would fly in on a Sunday night, and then he would leave, I believe, on a Thursday night and fly back. Before he had that conversation with me, now he said this, I don't know if it's true. He said that he had never talked to anyone about it before, not even his own wife. Huh. Now, that may or may not be true. I don't know. Um, But it was a very interesting... um, I really liked Leonard. He was a very smart and sincere man. um, And he was a very accomplished scientist. And I think I mentioned before, he had a couple of patents and stuff like that. Um, So, but anyway, um, it was a really neat interview. I mean, I don't know how many people have talked to scientists who worked at Area 51. There are probably not many. Not many. Or at least if they are many, they don't know that they did. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good point, Andrew. They, um, it's so crazy to think though, too, because you only think about the X-Files or Independence Day or, you know, movies in general that, that deal with Area 51. And, I, I don't have any skin in the game of knowing what goes on out there, but I have to imagine if that there's probably it's pro- to me it's not some form of alien life form that they're working with as much as advanced technology that is more science fiction based, but is in a reality of of technology that the government has control of that we would never know about, especially if they're working with fiber optics and internet in 1980. And I think. Our first internet in my parents' house was 1998, maybe. Yeah. I think the internet came, uh, 94 is when the internet uh, finally took off. And, um, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about like these campaigns to raid Area 51. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, um, when people were, were talking about that, I was like, okay, so everyone knows where Area 51 is now. Mm -hmm. They're constantly watching it. If they had that type of technology, I would assume that they've moved it at this point. Yeah. I mean, you know, a desolate, uh, stre- barren stretch of, of Nevada um, back in the day was probably a great place to hide, you know, stuff like that. But nowadays, probably not the best place to hide yeah. it. Especially with like, I mean, I would imagine the U.S. government's smarter than I am when it comes to stuff like Google Earth and hiding stuff like that. But knowing that I can just scroll on an iPad and see whatever I want to see in the United States, 
at any given time that is a landmark structure, I would feel like they, they, I'm, I'm assuming they hope probably have regulations in that airspace on how everything is looked up on that spot. Yeah, yeah, there are. It's it's restricted airspace above yeah. it. Yeah, you can't. I mean, there's no. You're not gonna if you fly a drone over that thing. It's gonna they're a flamethrower is gonna come out and blast <laughs> that thing out of the sky like in short order. Look like a, a bird flying in a Randy Johnson baseball game. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's so interesting to know that that it was somebody that your father-in-law knew that just happened to come on your foot show up on your doorstep with a conversation about in Arkansas. Yeah, I know. I, I never expected it. I mean, I'd heard about Leonard. Uh, everyone knows about that telescope. It's just this huge, impressive telescope that nobody, you just don't expect to see it out in the middle of, an, of, of nowhere. Absolutely. And, um, no, when he told me that, I was like, are you kidding me? And, of course, he didn't want me to talk to him and didn't want me to repeat it. Um, but, I mean... What was that Thanksgiving like after he... he just- you know, he lived down the street from me, so he was at my house every day, so it wasn't like... I gotcha. Yeah, he was around all the time until he passed in 2014. So, no, he was around. We didn't have any... I mean, uh, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't care about that. But um, But anyway, it was an interesting interview with Leonard. Yeah, it was um it was definitely a nice change of pace. Um but it's also like George said at the beginning, very much um timely in the aspect of the monolith showing up. Like it's more or less I'm assuming that it's it's artists and artwork and a statement for the year of 2020 just trying to put stuff out there. But it really we love entertainment, we love drama and we really love for the mind to go to worst case scenario or most entertaining case scenario at least so thinking that there's aliens touching down and i remember the first time i saw 2001 a space odyssey and that monolith is just shows up with the with the apes around it and you just want to find answers for something out there and you want to find something to kind of keep your mind off of the uh everything that's going on in the world today that uh you hope that it's something exciting and and again with social media we're just able to share everything that we hear and see and 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 whether it's good or bad it's a snowball that just completely explodes with people wanting to talk about it so knowing that area 51 exists alone is a huge a huge feeling of knowledge for um people much less when you get to interact with somebody who worked there who you know they have so much inside that mind that you want to know about but they will not let you know about it is insane it just makes the wheels turn on wanting to know what could possibly be going on in our u.s government well andrew i think that'll probably wrap up this uh bonus edition of diamond state murder board i'm your host george jared and i'm andrew brown Thanks for listening. What's up, everyone? Andrew Brown here, and when I'm not co-hosting Diamond State Murder Board, I am a full-time photographer. I love being behind the camera capturing moments in time, from weddings to family shoots to landscape photography to just flat-out creativity. I enjoy photography. You can check my work out at Andrew Brown Photography on Facebook and Andrew Brown 182 on Instagram. Let's keep creating in this world. Diamond State Murder Board, written and hosted by George Jared, co-hosted and produced by Andrew Brown, music by Rush Pate, voiceover work done by me, Jessica Parker. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Diamond State MB. Download us wherever you get your podcasts.